uh hello hello hey how's it going great Pre- pretty good that's nice um what's everybody been up to <laughs> nothing Just hanging out Just chilling chilling i hit rec- i hit record and then i realized i wanted to go look something up on imdb so now i'm i'm only half paying attention <gasps> to the podcast wow um hello and welcome to oh crap what 22 what episode know. are we i think so episode yeah. hello and welcome to episode 22 of we watch movies and then talk about them the only podcast on the internet where we watch a movie and then talk about it um this is as you will uh have no doubt noticed an official numbered episode of we watch movies and then talk about them meaning that we actually watched a movie and now we're going to talk about it we're back um, there are several episodes where we don't follow that format. Um, there's one where we talk about our favorite albums of the year 2018. If you guys are listening to this in like 2029, we'll probably have a few more episodes of good albums, but the one that we just did was the albums of 2018, the films of 2018. And then we had our, uh, Oscar prediction rant spectacular <laughs> and right off the top. I want to say a few things. One thing, mostly. Um, the Academy has realized their mistake. After everyone yelled at them. I think that the Academy listened to our podcast. It was all us, guys. You're welcome. They said, you know what? Andrew and Sid have a point. Becca wasn't too upset about it. <laughs> but <laughs> And um hallelujah the oscars airing tomorrow will have already aired by the time you guys hear this uh will be airing live every category no longer our cinematography editing and a couple others that i don't really care that much about relegated to commercial breaks they're still important i just i think that alfonso coron is going to lose a few pounds all the times he's going to have to walk up on stage and then (laughs) and then walk back down like do you think so let's say he comes away, he did he did the cinematography, he wrote it. Let's say he wins all of those, right? Do you think he just like puts one Oscar under his chair <laughs> while he waits for the next one? No, he like, like he like custom made <laughs> his jacket so like he can just like open it up and put it on the inseam. He's just got little pockets for his Oscars in there. I'm that just, would be amazing. I'm just imagining like Guillermo del Toro sitting next to him because <laughs> I, I imagine that Guillermo del Toro, Alfonso Cuaron, and Alejandro Iñárritu are all going to be sitting together. They better be. If they don't, I'll be mad. So I imagine them them three all sitting together. And when he gets up to get his second or third or fourth Oscar or whatever, like Iñárritu or del Toro just hides one. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll just go up for him. And he'll just be, they'll just be like, he was so tired of walking up here all the time. So I will accept best I'm, director I'm on his behalf. taking over this year. <laughs> It was his turn this year, but yeah. don't worry, folks. Next year, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously, I love the, uh, I, I really do. I love the Three Amigos storyline. Just keep giving these guys best director, back Please. to back. They're it's fantastic great. directors. Love it. Um, yeah, that's the update on the Oscars. So there's, uh, we spent a lot of time last week getting upset about this. If you want to hear us get upset about something that has now been resolved, that episode's <laughs> going to be your best bet. Rebecca's got to go cough, so. <laughs> can't even walk jeez you guys can still hear that um (laughs) 
I don't know what happened to her. This is a mess. This is a total She's mess. She's turning into a swan. Becca, we're finally on a numbered episode, and you're making it a mess. You're screwing it up. I don't know what's happening. Uh, speaking of, uh, welcome again to episode 22 of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them. My name is Andrew Westensko. I am the host of this here podcast, joined at my right hand, as always, and in all things, by Becca. Hello. Joined at my left hand, uh, but not as directly. She's mostly sitting across from me. It's Sid. Hey. But we are in a circle, at a circular table anyway. Yes, that's because we're all equals. It's like uh, King Arthur. All right. Speaking of, supposedly, <laughs> King Kid Who Would Be King is supposedly not bad. I, huh. I'm not going to go I've see it. I've seen a few like, bus stops with it, and then I saw like 10 seconds of the trailer, and I was just like, meh. Well, it's a kid's movie, right? Yeah, like, true. But I read the uh, the Reddit thread on it, and people were like, it's a kid's movie. What do you want? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like, hmm. all right, cool. Um, today, I really, really, really wanted to watch and discuss a movie about a dancer in a dance company with an exacting dance instructor um, with lots of elements of body horror and kind of questioning reality with a fantastic score, uh, great direction, and my favorite film of its year. But <laughs> Becca wouldn't watch Suspiria, so we watched Black Swan instead. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about Black Swan. Uh, 2010, uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky. Uh, the Man Who Brought You, Requiem for a Dream, uh, The Fountain, Mother, most recently, um, and... The Wrestler. He did The Wrestler? Mm-hmm. Oh, no joke. He did Noah, too. Oh, yeah. So, um, I'm a fan of Darren Aronofsky, I think. I've only seen Mother and Black Swan, uh, but I want to I wanna go watch more. But today, we're discussing Black Swan, as we just watched it. Uh, stars Natalie Portman, uh, Vincent Castle, Mila Kunis. Um, and before we, uh, I guess, give too much away, we're just going to jump right into it. Um, those of you who are veterans of the show will understand that we start out with some hot takes. Once the hot takes are over, we move into some more in-depth discussion. Following that, we will have Trivia Corner, final ratings out of 10. We're going to put this movie on the Western scale. It's been a while since we've had it to the Western scale. And, um, yeah, then we move on to other topics. That's the agenda for today. Becca, we'll turn the time over to you. All right. Well, this was my second time watching this movie. And I do have to say that my opinion of it is much improved (laughs) since the first time I saw it. Um, I think a lot of my thoughts are still very similar i just understand why i didn't like it the first time you liked the lesbian sex scene a lot more this time probably um no Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh that was uncomfortable (laughs) um but the the words that i kept thinking about while watching this movie is manipulative it is so manipulative like not just about manipulation but like for the audience it's so manipulative and i think that's why i didn't like it the first time because i felt tricked and i felt like 
I don't know, just like frustrated and cringy. And I still, I still felt that way this time, but because I'd already seen it and knew what was coming, I could handle it better. So I cannot wait to hear you expand on that a little bit more. I, I'm like on a totally different page from you, but I'm stoked to hear what you have to say. All right. Um, I guess that would be my hot take though. I, I do think it's an incredible movie. It's very difficult to watch. I didn't like the first time. I like it a lot better the second time. And I think there's a lot in it to like unpackage and talk about. Um, For those of you who are at home, we have a method for selecting what movie we're going to watch. We call it pulling the shelf. And we have a big shelf of Blu-rays. And you just kind of, uh, I go first and I slightly pull out all of the movies that I would be willing to watch that night. So they're kind of sticking out and then Becca goes through and pushes some back in and then we decide from there. And for probably the past uh, month or so, maybe longer, I've just been in a constant rotation of pulling Black Swan and Suspiria, and then and then I'll pull <laughs> other things. But like, just it, just on the off chance that she's in a mood to watch either of them, so I'm very glad that we got to watch Black Swan again. <laughs> um, and through the pulling the shelf method, thank you, Sid, for being here because I'm sure if you weren't, we would not have watched this. Happy to be here. It's true. We probably wouldn't. (laughs) And Becca liked it a lot better. That makes me so happy. (laughs) All right, Sid, go. It's your hot take. All right. Don't Uh, burn yourself. I'll try. On the hot take. (laughs) Uh, So this is my first time watching it, and I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I just... It's taking me a little bit to process what I just watched, Um but I don't know, just like so much works for it. And where like Becca was talking about that it's very manipulative. It's, I mean, it definitely is, but it it provides a much more exciting storyline than you would expect from like a ballerina movie. Um, what do you have against ballerinas? Nothing. It's just uh, Swan Lake looks so boring. <laughs> <laughs> like just like watching a movie about ballerinas is just kind of so... Yeah, I think all the twists and turns are really just great. Um, the acting is fantastic <sighs> from everyone. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, just the music, the costume, the everything. Oh, my gosh. I loved it so much. And I guess that's kind of my rambling hot take. Well, right on. Um, this movie was nominated for several Oscars. I don't know how many. It looks like five. Um, and it's a crime that it wasn't nominated for more based on a few of the things that you said. Before I get into my hot take, just for those of you out there, uh, Black Swan was nominated for the following Oscars. Best Picture, uh, Best Director for Darren Aronofsky, Best Actress for Natalie Portman, which she did actually win, uh, Cinematography for Matthew Libatique, who most recently was nominated for A Star is Born, um, and Achievement in Editing. So, and, uh, especially I didn't know that he filmed this and also a star is born. So he's another one to watch for me. I think I like his style a lot. And he filmed a lot of Darren Aronofsky's films. He filmed Requiem for a Dream. He filmed Pi. He filmed The Fountain. So we'll see. Um, my hot take. This, uh, was also my second time viewing this. Um, actually, uh, the first time Becca and I watched it, it was in a, uh, a weekend session where we watched Enemy by Denis Villeneuve. And then the next night we watched Black Swan. So I think Becca hated that weekend. I uh, love Enemy. Oh, right. 
And funnily enough, we came out of that weekend with me saying that both of these films um, were potential tens for me. I have I have two lists on a Google Docs or Google Sheets doc. I don't know the proper way to say it. Um, one is definite tens, and then I have my potential tens that I need to watch one or two more times uh, in order to decide if they are actually a ten. I'm not going to give the answer right now. You're going to have to wait for the Weston scale at the end as to whether or not Black Swan actually is a 10. Um, but I loved this movie so much. I think there are so many things, like you said, so many things going for it. Um, the cinematography is just mind-blowing. Every every shot is so good. The camera is so kinetic. Um especially the dancing scenes. There's so many dancing scenes where she's spinning one way and the camera's spinning another way. Um, there's just so much motion to it. And I think that that serves a lot of what you said. You don't expect this to be an exciting story, but I think so much of what is so exciting is the camera work. Um, everything they do with mirrors is just mind-blowing how they pull some of this stuff off. I have no idea how they do it. Um, pure magic in my mind. Um, the directing just overall the the tone the pacing of it i think is amazing i love the screenplay the performances are mind-blowing across the board um and that's where i think that we run into issues with the oscars i think that uh mila kunis and vincent castle should have got supporting actor and supporting actress noms personally um i think that makeup and hairstyling as well as costumes got snubbed um the way that makeup manages to do the... We're doing full spoilers here, by the way. Um, so if you don't want spoilers, five, four, three, two, one. There you go. There's your warning. Uh, the way that the makeup team manages to do all the bumps all over her where like the feathers are, I guess, supposedly poking out is just incredible. Um, and I think this movie has something interesting to say as well. I think the message of it is worthwhile. And it's funny because coming into this, I guess we'll just jump in now if everybody's cool with that. Yeah, go for it. I think coming into this, um, I was expecting more similarities with Suspiria just because they're dance movies and they're horror movies and and whatever they're, you know, but especially watching it, I think that a lot of the themes here and kind of what it's trying to say is more similar to Birdman than I think any other movie that I've seen. I think that those two have the most in common as far as you have this main character who's just driven to the edge in pursuit of true art. And I think that's a really interesting struggle for a main character to have and a really interesting journey for them to go through. And I also think it's interesting how both movies, um, I guess kind of force their characters to, like I said, be pushed just right to the edge and essentially destroy themselves to um, create, you know, pure and true art. I don't know. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I actually was thinking that while watching this movie, too, that it reminded me of Birdman. And it was an interesting connection because I also didn't love Birdman the first time I watched it. and She's since repented, don't worry. Well, I haven't watched it again, so I haven't made up my mind yet. <laughs> but didn't we have a revisionist corner where you talked about Birdman? Um, I think I, I talked about it, but I didn't change my gotcha. rating. If you want to talk about uh, Hereditary at any point, just let me know, by the way. <laughs> no. 
Um, I do agree. I think there's a lot of very similar themes uh, between Black Swan and Birdman, those same themes. And I think they're really interesting to look at, just like um, the struggle and sacrifice that artists make to make real art. And I think that the difference lies in what their roadblock is. Um, because in Birdman, it's all his confidence, right? He thinks he's worried that he's not capable of making true art, that his fame is a sham, that he's not an actual artist and that he's not capable of it. Um, Nina's struggle in this movie is that she's too good. (laughs) (laughs) She's not able to, um, I guess he says it several times to let go and to have it be effortless. She's so, uh, I guess, caught up on, on the details and having everything be just right. And that's her understanding of what perfection and art is, is having all the details right. And then you have Mila Kunis come in here and just kind of disrupt all of that because she's just as good, but she makes it look easy. And that, in my mind, is what separates like a true artist from... I guess a student, if you want to put it that way, because a student can study and learn and pass a test and everything. But I feel like true artists are able to do something extraordinary and make it look easy. And that's what that that's what this movie says. Yeah, like it's just an innate ability that Mila Kunis has. But that's the thing is like she also, you know what I mean? Like Nina, Nina put in how many hours a day for how many years of her life, and. Uh, What's her name? Lily? Yeah. Lily did the exact same thing, yeah. but for some reason she has this ability to just get lost in it and to make it look easy. Yeah. I think it's um, interesting to watch like Nina's struggle for this. Um, I don't know where I was going to go with this. I think her relationship with her mom is really really interesting and a huge factor as to why she acts the way she does and why she is striving for perfection um and maybe this is a little bit of a tangent from what we were talking about but there are no tangents on this show all right the whole show was a tangent that's fair i spent five minutes talking about (laughs) suspiria already (laughs) (laughs) well you do try to talk about it as much as you. i tried to watch it today but tangent literally the reason we didn't watch Suspiria today is because Becca said I already talk about it too much on the podcast (laughs) we have talked about it and we need to talk about something else is what she said yes that is what I said also I didn't want to watch it anyway um I don't even remember what I was saying Nina's mom Mm -hmm. Nina's mom is a psychopath she's just crazy and manipulative and that's like what i was talking about earlier like i don't know it's so interesting to me to watch this mother like manipulate her daughter and try to make her daughter everything that she wasn't and to see um nina her entire life is ballet and that's kind of what life is like for, for i guess maybe all artists but um I've experienced it with dance, maybe not, I mean, obviously not to that extent, but it you kind of... ballet in New York? Yeah, didn't you know? I had no idea. You didn't turn into a swan? <laughs> no, crazy, okay, right? Okay, I guess that's good. Well, you probably were pretty bad then. 
Yeah, All the good yeah, ones turn into swans. <laughs> I didn't want to be a swan. Anyway, it just kind of takes over your life and that is your life and there's nothing else beyond that. That's the only thing that's important. And so I was thinking about that while watching it this time and like, I guess kind of understanding Nina's motivations a little bit more. And I guess when I say I feel tricked, it's because I feel like Nina's mom tricked her and manipulated Nina into becoming someone that her mom wanted and not someone that Nina wanted. And so she had limited options to decide like who she was going to be and all she could be was a ballerina. And that was all that her life was. Sure. But I mean, it was, I mean, I feel like maybe, maybe, I guess, I don't know, maybe her mom just passed the baton on to, to Ma. (laughs) Yeah. As far as like being manipulative goes. Because I feel like she pushed her as far as she could. And her mom was happy with what she was. You know what I mean? Like her mom would have been thrilled with her being, you know, a second place dancer. Uh-huh. But then, you know, Nina had this desire to be the best and she opened herself up to Toma and he, I guess, pushed her all the way. I don't know. But again, in a very manipulative way, like I feel like most of the decisions she made, she didn't have total control of until the end. Like the last few minutes, that last performance, like that was all her decision and her, um, like, I guess finding true artistry, I guess. Well, I think you can blame Toma for, cause again, she was happy. She was fine being just a technically perfect ballet dancer, uh-huh. but it was once he told her, no, that's not good enough anymore. Like, to be truly great at this, you need to get lost in it. And, you know, that's the struggle that she has through the entire movie. And I think that her... Basically, her entire world rebels against that in some way or another, right? Her body specifically. Mm -hmm. There's, like, a struggle inside of her body between, you know, her body literally falling apart and turning her into a swan. Like, there's that... Like, there's a struggle there between... Like, even inside of her. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there's at different points or, you know, she's doing the spins. I don't know what you call those. Fuates. Great. Thanks. <laughs> um, that I'm sure she's done a million times. And all of a sudden, her nail is split. Mm-hmm. And, like, the nails are all over the place. She's pulling up skin. But then, like I said, like, her body's literally turning her into a swan. So there's even a struggle, like, physically inside of her body between, I guess, her mom and Toma, if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know. It's interesting to watch because I don't know if it's like good or bad. Like it's amazing what she can do and what she ends up doing. Like this incredible performance and everybody's like so amazed by it. Um, but like at what cost? Which is what Birdman asks and what mm-hmm. this asks. And so I like I don't know if it's a worthwhile cost or not but it's interesting to watch it all happen well and i think i think that i mean that's interesting to think about if it's worth it because i think birdman brings it up specifically i could be remembering wrong but i think there's i i want to say it's zach galavanakis in that movie he says something along the lines of like like it doesn't need to be perfect because these people or no it's it's when michael keaton is talking to the critic and he's he's kind of ridiculing her because 
you know, she doesn't feel true art. She goes in there just to, um, you know, watch the movie or watch the play and then she'll, you know, write a review and either make or break somebody's career and then go home and sleep at night and it doesn't make any difference to her. And I think that that's an interesting question to ask as far as like if it's worth it, because for her, I'm sure she would say that it's worth it. But how many people in that theater are thinking about that performance, you know, a year from now? I don't know. Yeah. Is it worth it, Sid? I kind of got lost in what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is killing yourself for your art worth it? (laughs) Uh, depends on how good your art is. <laughs> That's um, fair. <laughs> is her art good enough? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, am I suggesting that she should basically stab herself in the stomach for her art? No, but her art's good. <laughs> She's a great dancer. Great dancer. She is a great dancer. How much of the dancing did she do herself? 80%. Good heavens. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. There was like some controversy with um, her like stand in dancer or whatever who like came out and said that she did like almost all of it. And then both Natalie Portman or all Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis and Darren Ar- Aronofsky came out and were like, no, like she did most of it. Like she, the stand in mostly did like kind of like, like if it was just like feet uh-oh. shot, like legwork stuff, but most everything else was Natalie Portman. You know, I got to tell you. I can't imagine being like a ballerina and watching this or like, you know, a jazz pianist and watching La La Land or like any of these actors that just like pick up these crazy difficult skills for movies and like these ballerinas are like spending their entire lives on it. Yeah. And Natalie Portman's like, eh, give me a few months. (laughs) I think, I think Natalie Portman danced when she was younger. Oh, I'm sure she did. Yeah. But yeah, like to watch like La La Land and all of a sudden Ryan... Gosling. He's actually playing the piano. Yeah, I would be pretty mad. I mean, I don't even know how to play piano, and I was mad about it. So absolutely. I mean, that's what you get for. <laughs> I guess what we're talking about, right? The innate talent. Yeah. And the ability to make it look easy, because those are the people that succeed, right? Like, and you see it in the dynamic between Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis, in even just in their performances. Like Natalie, she's just incredible. She's so timid and whispers everything and even her facial expressions you can see that everything she's doing is a put on to try and be perfect for somebody else in whatever situation she's in she's trying to be perfect for that person whether it be her mother or Tama or whoever everything is a put on and she's just trying to be perfect but she's so in her head and that but that's the thing is that going one level deeper, we're incepting here, also came out in 2010. Um, like that's Natalie Portman under there and she's making this stressed out, anxiety riddled person, she's doing this performance and making it look natural and easy. Like, it's <laughs> So you come in here being all sympathetic for her and then at the end if you think about it, you're like, no, I hate you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, her performance is amazing. I think one of the scenes that it's like a simple scene, but one of the scenes that made me realize just like how well Natalie Portman is performing in this um, is right after she gets the role as Swan Queen and she goes into the bathroom and calls her mom. And she's like, I don't know if you remember this very well. It's not like a huge scene, but she's just like sitting, standing in the stall and she's just like, 
crying happy tears and like calling her mom and like that is just like it looks so genuine and real like you can't i don't know it's just so impressive that she was able to pull that out and everything else but that's a good point there's a lot of moments that are like acted and you think about it like for example like when she's crying at the end and then just like wipes the tears off with her makeup which is such a great shot by the way just an amazing shot but like that's an acted moment right I think that you're I think you're right. I think the real strength of her performance comes from how naturally she sells the in-between moments. Mhm. Yeah. I think like she's so good in this. In the beginning, she's like kind of irritating cuz she's just like she's just so innocent and she's just here. Just like you just kind of want to like throw her freaking room. I hate her room. All, all the stuffed, stuffed animals. animals. <laughs> like how old is this woman? At least 21. See, I blame her mom for the, yeah. all of that. But still, like, she is, like, a little irritating at the beginning. But that's, like, why this role is and this performance is so good. It's just, like, she's irritating at the beginning. And then you kind of feel for her. And then towards the end, you're just, like, she's kind of crazy. I don't know how much I like her. So, yeah, it's just, I don't think she gets enough credit, Natalie Portman. Just in general, you mean? Yeah, I don't, and that's honestly kind of my fault, too. I never really have seen her as a like a super great actress i mean look at her imdb picture her imdb picture is her as padma amidala it's incredible <laughs> <laughs> that movie came out in what 2001 who knows I don't know. um i mean yeah like if you just look at some of her performances um annihilation uh, i think one thing that uh is a detriment to her is how beautiful she is good heavens is she gorgeous she's so gorgeous and so it's hard it's honestly kind of hard to take her seriously like i've seen closer and i've seen this and annihilation and we know how good she is just talented wise but it's hard i don't know just to like i mean you know you watch her in other movies where they're maybe not as performance heavy and it's just kind of hard to see her as a genuine good actress um I have I've missed a lot of her recent movies to be honest with you. So I, I saw Annihilation. I wanted to see Vox Lux. Me never too. played here. Yeah. Um, I need to see both Song to Song and Knight of Cups. I am totally out of date on my modern um, Terrence Malick. After After Tree of Life, I kind of fall off honestly. Mm. Um, she did great in Jackie. She did like mind blowingly well in Jackie. I haven't seen that. Um. It starts right with, uh, I mean, spoilers, I guess. It starts right with the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. <laughs> and her performance for the first 15 minutes of that film are just incredible. And, I mean, she's got blood all over her, and she oh, it's just, uh, it's something special. And then there's this, uh, she does this White House tour with a reporter, and you can see the, you can look it up to see the original footage of, you know basically what she's recreating mm-hmm. side by side with what she's doing she's just mind-blowing the accent yeah. is incredible. i watched a, a video of a dialect coach just kind of like analyzing I saw performances that. yeah the so they like analyzed the actual person and the person who portrayed them in a movie and they i i'm pretty sure if i can remember right that he said that she was pretty spot on with it dude she's in darjeeling limited now i gotta watch that oh another wes anderson but yeah, she's. I mean, she's an incredible actress. She's yeah. great in V for Vendetta. It's a shame she had to shave her head, but she what are you going to do? She looks hotter than me with no hair. She looks hotter than most people. That's true. Um, but I guess she wanted to come out of Star Wars strong, right? Smart choice. Yeah. 
Isn't she a stripper in Closer? Yeah. Hmm. I said in the trivia that this is the second time she's played a dancer. And the ah. first one was a stripper. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Cheeky. Cheeky. Oh, uh, Leon the Professional. She's a little girl in that. Oh, yeah, duh. But apparently that's a really good movie. I've never seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard watched, that it's great. Um, Heat last week. Um, it's got like Al Pacino. And Is that uh, Michael Mann that directed it? Ooh, I think so. Dude, don't say anything because apparently it's a really good movie. Okay, I won't say anything about the movie, but she's pretty good in it. She's not really in it that much, but yeah, she's good. Yep, directed by Michael Mann. Um, apparently, um, so Michael Mann in general, but this movie specifically gets a lot of credit for or a lot of respect from people for its sound design, uh, specifically the guns, yeah, and as well as the gun handling. It's pretty good. Um, he also directed Collateral, and that scene where Tom Cruise pops three dudes in the alley, apparently his gun handling there is, like, perfect. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the trivia was saying stuff about their gun handling, especially, like, in the big fight. Yeah. Gun fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, side note, Collateral is an awesome movie that you should watch. It's on my list. Cause you yeah. Oh, you for- haven't seen it? You forced me to put it on there. Oh, did I? Okay. Yeah. It's it's great. Okay. Becca loves it. It's her favorite wow. movie of all time. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Foxx is a taxi driver. He oh, picks up yeah. Tom Cruise and it's, he's a hitman. I always think it's a different movie. Yes. Yeah. You do that all the time. <laughs> I know. And I've done it multiple times on this podcast with Collateral, I think. <laughs> At least twice. Do you remember what movie we would just watched? Yes. What was it? Come on. I need you to say it specifically. <laughs> Tell me. Stop questioning Tell me. Tell me that you know what, what movie we're, we're talking about. I know what about. movie we watched. Why can't you trust me? What movie did we, we watch? We watched Black Swan. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we can trust you now. You can stay. It's just collateral that I always forget. <laughs> it's not just collateral. Okay. It's lots of movies, but I consistently forget collateral. We also watch a lot of movies. Yeah, we do. I'm keeping a list uh, this year on a Google Sheets of every movie that I watch. You just need to start using Letterboxd. No, because I want to see it uh, in that. I want to see how many movies. I, I want it at the end of the year to know how many movies I watched in the year. That's what I did. I just keep a. Like, you can make like different lists. <sighs> it's easier for me this way. Okay, fine. He's already put in the work. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Plus, I'm already twenty movie, twenty one movies deep this year. I don't huh. know how many I'm in. Well, see, if you had a Google okay. Sheets, you would. Well, see, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't, I keep a list of all the movies I've seen for the first time this year. Ah, Not see, lame. No, because I, one of the columns on my Google Sheets is what number of viewing it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, fine. My best friends are dorks. To each his own. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Um, moving on about Black Swan. The performances are great. Um, again, can we talk about the cinematography a little bit, though? Oh. Specifically mirrors. Oh, yeah. How do they do it? I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, they're, like, tricky with it, and they're not, like, full-on in the camera. But then, you know, I'm sure they do just, like, CGI. There are some gosh darn shots where they literally pan around her yeah. in front of a mirror. And, you know, magic. I, uh, yeah. It's magic. So good. And just the way that, I guess this is more, as much directing as cinematography, but the way that mirrors are used in this movie. Yeah. The, one of my favorite shots was, um, it was, uh, it's Nina. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking it's Lena, isn't that Because that's name? Annihilation. Okay, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so the shot where Nina and her mom are just like sitting in the living room and there's a mirror and both you can see both of their reflections. So there's four of them in the shot. I just ugh, I thought that shot was so good. The duality of man. <laughs> and the dressing room. That one's amazing. Where she like leans or her Oh yeah. 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 Um, I think my favorite shot with a mirror is when she's practicing by herself after the pianist ditches her. Oh yeah. And it's 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 so quick. Um and un- unfortunately, Darren Aronofsky is not very subtle with his metaphors. Um <laughs> given that it, he credits it's so cheesy, but in the credits he has like Natalie Portman, uh Nina Sawyer and Swan Queen, Vincent Castle, Prince, Mila Kunis, Black Swan. Like yeah. like we get we get the metaphor like you're just telling the story of swan lake we get it like there's not a whole lot to dissect there the same way that like i feel like about halfway through mother you can hear him in the other room being like it's the bible do you get it (laughs) you know what i mean understand his name is adam (laughs) he killed his brother (laughs) i like mother a lot more than a lot of other people but he was not subtle and in the metaphor um fortunately for us there's a lot more subtlety in the camera work here um so this one it's very quick and you you know blink and you miss it but she kind of gets in her pose and she's you guys can't (laughs) can't see what i'm doing i wish you could (laughs) it's like pretend like you're singing i'm a little teapot and she's you know short and stout but before before you you got your handle but you haven't put out your spout yet that's the pose she's doing right and in the reflection, and it's mirrors on mirrors on mirrors, right? Like layer, you know, layers of mirrors. Um, her reflection puts her arm up and does kind of the the swan wing, but she doesn't. I think that's my favorite mirror shot in the whole movie. And you can almost miss it, like it's as not... I said, blink and you miss it. Yeah, yeah. you're Just right. Like, it's super subtle. Yeah, that whole thing, and then like how when she's doing the turns, like her reflection is like a little bit slower than her. Yeah, it's good, but yeah, you definitely. If you're not paying attention, you're not going to see it. Um, as far as, again, I'm going to keep petitioning because if they can try and make a best popular film a thing, I can make best film sequence a thing at some point when I eventually become a member of the Academy. I, it's stupid you have to be a filmmaker to become a part of the Academy. I feel like you should be able to be a critic. Yeah. I feel like you should have a, a movie podcast and you should be And you should there. be a member of the Academy. Come on. Well, uh, they seem to be listening to us, so... Guys, you're going to want to make a new category, okay? It's going to be called uh, Best Sequence in a Film. And um, you can define that how you like. Uh, This movie's best sequence, I think, and not for the reason you think, (laughs) but is actually the club scene through to when she wakes up the next morning. I think that would be my submission for Best Sequence in a Film that year. Not because of the lesbian sex, <laughs> right? Which, by the way, um, the first time I watched this, I was just like, holy cow, and I was a little bit taken aback. This time, there's a lot of interesting things going on during that scene, and not just I, I going get down what you're saying. I get it. Get I, it. I <laughs> understand why this scene is in this movie. It doesn't mean it makes it any more comfortable, 
but I get why it's important sure. for the movie. Um, but specifically during the club scene with all the flashing lights and everything, um, there's a lot of like, I don't know if it's single frame or what, but there's a lot of flashes to like her and her makeup and like the swan and whatever the crow monster man is like for little flashes. When the lights come on, you're seeing the characters in the ballet um, spinning around and dancing or whatever. And I think that's really cool and really well done. And then especially like as far as I, uh, the way that Lena or Lena, the way that Nina's uh, I guess at, again, as Tuma puts it, letting go is tied so heavily to her sexuality that in the moment where she lets go and lets Lily kind of do her thing with her, that she become I feel like that's the real turning point as far as her transformation as a character, right? Because the interesting thing here is is that she does all these things, but she doesn't actually do them. She's like hallucinating or I don't know, you know what I mean? But it's like it's it's levels. And the further she lets herself get pushed, the more that she's able to I guess let go of her inhibitions and um Again, Toma talks about it as with Beth as everything she does comes from a dark desire within. And Nina gets more and more into that headspace the more that she does certain things, right? So, like, you know, going out with uh, Lily and then, you know, taking the drink that she knows has ecstasy in it and then, like, having a sexual encounter with Lily and then eventually murdering her. She doesn't, I mean, she only does half those things, but, like, in that scene where she's going down on her, you just see the ripples of uh-huh. bumps up and down. Oh, it's just so fantastic. It's so well done. And it, the, the way that I guess they use that to talk about the transformation that her character is undergoing, I think is brilliant. Yeah. It's definitely an uncomfortable sequence, but it's very important in yeah, telling about her transformation and um, yeah, I mean, basically just everything you just said, but just like kind of letting everything go and just, you know, taking that stick out of her butt and just... And sticking it between her door and the wall. Yep. <laughs> and having a fun time. In the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think that's a whole other topic that I guess we don't have to get into if you guys don't want to. But I think it's interesting as well how, uh, like I said, how her character's transformation is tied so heavily to her sexuality. Well, I mean, the whole purpose of the Black Swan is to be sexual and to seduce this prince, and she couldn't do that unless she was in touch with her own sexual side. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yep, that's the thing. I mean, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. What else? <laughs> what do we got to say? Um... I would want to say that the editing in this is so good. So good. Just like, cause, just like, cause there's so many like in the in the in the one sequence where she's practicing her turns and every turn she's looking at Tamal, and just like it's switching from her and him and her and him and it's just oh my gosh. I want to say that the editing plays maybe the second biggest role after the cinematography to make this film as disorienting as it is. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a huge part of, like Becca, like you said, Becca, the, the movie manipulates the audience, right? And I think that part of how it's able to do that is by being so disorienting. And I think that specifically I'm thinking of every time that she is 
going anywhere. Let's say she'll step out of her front door and take three steps down her hallway, and then she's walking into the theater. Like, that, like, passage of time means nothing in this film. As well as, like, you know what I mean? Like, we've been to New York. You know that if you have to go somewhere on the subway, it takes freaking forever, regardless of, you know what I mean? Like, it's always going to take a long time. But she's just, like, teleporting around. And I think that, I mean, that's obviously a mixture of cinematography and editing as far as the framing and lining her up correctly in the frame to have that edit make sense. And again, it's one of those things that like, don't, if you don't think about it, you won't notice it, but it plays a huge part in how disorienting this film is. It happens as well. Um, when she goes to Tomas apartment, I think that's probably the best example. Um, they're walking out of the, I guess, I don't know where they are, where they're having the gala thing. Um, and literally mid-sentence, he, like, starts a sentence in the building with the gala and finishes the sentence in his apartment. And that, I don't know, it's just a really cool touch. Well, and I think it it shows a lot about, like, Nina and her, uh, the way that she thinks and the way that she experiences life as well. Because I think it's the same way. Like, for her, she's focused in there when it's important. So it's... Mm-hmm when she's leaving to go to the studio and when she gets there. Yeah. And so it it shows her disoriented state of mind as well, because we also get all the hallucinations and everything feels so real until it's not. And we are just as confused as Nina is when it's not. Well, and it's, it's interesting because the whole time the movie's lying to us. Right. But like every single time you believe it for whatever reason, like, this movie does such a good job of playing with your understanding of what's real and what's not real. Which is exactly how Nina feels, you yeah. know? Like, I think that's so unique that the movie can, like, give us that glimpse of how she is experiencing these hallucinations and everything, all the stress. Yeah. Like, you believe it when she peels all the skin on her finger back. To, and, you know, an hour later, you believe it when she stabs Lily. Yeah. Like like you said, the movie's very manipulative. And I love that about it. Yeah. <laughs> and like even still even still, I'm like, I think some of those things happen. But they didn't. But uh-huh. I swear they happened. Cause they're things that are ridiculous but not so much that you would automatically think this isn't real. Like I honestly thought that she just killed Lily and then just went out and danced again. So yeah, it's so manipulative, but it Without that, this movie would be predictable and just not that exciting. But because yeah. it's so crazy and just tricking you at every turn, it's that's what makes it kind of on your edge. That is one of my favorite moments is when she's sitting in the dressing room and she puts the towel down for the blood and somebody knocks at the door and she goes and it's Lily and like mm-hmm. the look on her face. Like... Yeah. I didn't expect that because it was like also like it was almost like a twist when she's fighting herself in the dressing room and then she stabs herself mm-hmm. and you look and see it. I mean, like, obviously, like, you think it's Lily because she's been hallucinating herself and everyone throughout the movie and then it's another twist that she's still alive. Yeah. yeah. And can we talk about how awesome it is that she's just seeing herself everywhere? Yeah. I think that's so cool. I think that's another thing about the editing is, like, a lot of times they'll just make a flash of some woman you're just like and it'll have her face it kind of looks like is that supposed to be her is that mila kunis who is that on the subway the first time yeah yeah it's just like i yeah 
It's so... I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Also, when she goes in and washes her hands, turns off the kitchen light. Oh, my gosh. Little girl, little girl, little girl. She turns... Oh, my gosh. And there she is in the hospital gown, all bloodied. Well, and again, with some of the subtlety, like her mom's like art room or whatever, when she's like, she like walks in there and then like the paintings would like move a little bit, yeah. but not a lot. There's the, f- it's either, I think it's the first time that they show us like the wall of paintings, uh-huh. the, the eyes on the picture of Nina move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, it's a blink and you'll miss it thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's so unsettling i think even if you miss it it's still unsettling that's what i'm saying is it's 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 almost like you think about like the ghosts in the background of haunting of hill house right and like you don't see them and you probably you will them. miss them Your subconscious sees them. but subconscious yeah it's something to it, it's something that plays with the unconscious part of your mind that makes you feel unsettled and disoriented and this movie does that so well p.s um we haven't talked about it for like two months uh but go watch the haunting at hill house on netflix if you haven't i just rewatched it still amazing yeah i think i could rewatch still it great. i could rewatch also, it also they're doing a second season but it's a different story right it's like yeah. an anthology yeah. type deal so can okay. this be like a good american horror story i'm hoping so again American Horror Story, season one. <laughs> you were great. I loved you. Fool me For once. like seven episodes. But six cents me once, <laughs> shame on me. Six cents me, me twice, twice, you're a bad show. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody can be dead. I get that it's a story about ghosts, but like, just tell me everybody's dead rather than being like, he's dead. And then two episodes later being like, also, she's dead. <laughs> no. <laughs> ah. Also, weird uh, bondage latex man in that show. I never really yeah. got that. Let's uh, let's get like a good American Horror Story without the gratuitous sex scenes. Yeah. I only watched the first season. I watched no, that's a lie. I watched the I watched half of the second season. Asylum. I watched all of them except for these last two seasons. Yeah, they all have gratuitous sex scenes. Pretty much, yeah. yeah whatever. Yeah. I wasn't interested enough to ever go back. I just liked it because it's spooky. I do wish we had more quality spooky TV shows. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. I guess we'll just make do with Haunting of Hill House and watch it twice a year. I could do that. Yeah, I could watch it again. We're in the middle of Seinfeld right now, though. Oh, that's a good (laughs) one. (laughs) Uh, But we really did. When we watched Haunting of Hill House, we just ended up marathoning it. I think we watched it in two nights. (laughs) I made my sister watch it while she was in town, and then she went home and immediately made her husband watch it. Seriously, so the good. the bet neck lady reveal is still one of my favorite things that I've ever seen. Uh, that entire seriously again, and I'll say it again. What is it, episode five? Yeah. The last twenty to thirty minutes of episode five are just absolutely mind blowingly incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then just like all of episode six with all the continuous. Yeah, shots. it's just crazy. It's like what five takes. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my it's nuts. Man. Back to Black Swan. Oh yeah, this one. Black Swan is good. Uh, yeah. Do we have anything else we want to say about it? Um, it's good. It's, it's good. It it's is good. Uncomfortable, but it's, it's good. really good. <laughs> I love it. I love. I love movies that make me feel uncomfortable. I love movies that make me cringe. I love body horror. I don't. I think. I don't. It love takes it, a while, but to understand it's why it's there. Necessary. All right. 
Um, let's do trivia first. Becca, I want you to be thinking about your score out of 10. Sid, I want you to do the same. I am. It's okay. tough. We're going to work our way through the trivia, and then we'll do that, and we'll put it on the Weston scale. Okay. Um, so Natalie Portman trained for about a year um, before this role, but paid for most of it out of her own pocket because the the budget was so strict for this. Because she freaking can. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's paying for all that with all her Padme money. Yeah, right. You don't think she did that? Does she still get residuals on Star Wars, do you think? I would feel so. It's so bad you have to. Um, It's so bad. They're not that. Hot take right here, right now. (laughs) Sit down, folks. I'm about to knock your socks off. The original trilogy is not much worse. Uh, Sorry. The prequels are not much worse than the original trilogy. The acting in the original trilogy is atrocious it's just bad and yeah there's a cool world and cool alien species and the characters are cool but literally apart from harrison ford who gives the only decent performance and you have ewan mcgregor in the prequels for that the prequels are not much worse than the original trilogy and if you think otherwise you're lying to yourself Hot takeover. You guys can stand up again. Okay. Um, so Natalie Portman commented that while the dancing and training for the movie was really hard, one of the hardest things was changing her voice because she already has just kind of like a naturally high voice that in most movies she lowers it to seem more mature and like an adult. So she had to kind of revert back to a more like childlike voice. So that was really hard for her. Uh, she lost 20 pounds for this. Where? Bringing her down to had. what? What did she weigh? Does it say? I No, it doesn't say. Let's but I'm just like, where did she lose it? I I, how did she do it? Let me know. <laughs> if Google knows this, I swear. Is yeah, that... I told you she was under 100 pounds. Oh she weighs gosh. 118 pounds. So oh if gosh. she lost 20 pounds for this. Jeez. That's crazy. Well, all right. Man, she's really tight. She's only 5'3". Yeah, 98 pounds. Oh, my gosh. How did she not break? Oy. Okay. Um, so she met her future husband, choreographer Benjamin Millipide, um, and he was actually one of the actors in the movie. He played the prince in the Swan Lake, and there was the one scene where tamal is asking him if he'd have sex with her and he scoffs i'm like what man in his right mind would ever say no to that question i don't get it <laughs> becca's the to only natalie one. portman yeah <laughs> becca's the only one paying attention to me right now sorry i'm trying to, no for real though i i know the scene you're talking i was listening i just hadn't responded yet <laughs> yeah um i don't know if she's skin and bones yeah i guess so but also like it's Natalie Portman. Dude, I said it once when we were watching the movie. I'm going to say it again. I want her hair care routine. <laughs> Holy crap. Does she well, have... She has great hair. Absolutely gorgeous she hair. She probably spends thousands on it a month. Whatever. It's <laughs> worth it. Whatever you're, Natalie Portman, if you're listening to this, <laughs> whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Because your hair looks so healthy. I don't know what you're doing. I... Maybe it's just you take baths instead of showers. I don't know. But you're doing something great. I want to know what it is. 
reach out to us, DM us at facebook.com slash we watch movies and then talk about them with your hair care routine, Natalie Portman. <laughs> I want to know what it is. I want my hair to look as healthy as yours does. <laughs> there you go. Oh my gosh. Um, so out of all the award nominations um, that this movie got, in every single award ceremony, whatever, Natalie Portman won for Best Actress. Really? Uh-huh. She won, wow. you know, for Golden Globe and the Academies and, yeah. Golden, let's see, Golden Globe, BAFTA, Screen Actors Guild, um, Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror. Oh, dude, that's what I need to freaking, what? <laughs> Hello. I didn't know that was a thing. Keep going. It's like all your favorite things. I know. Academy of Science Fiction and Horror. Thank you. Um, so Natalie Portman began training uh, before even receiving the official script uh, just on pure faith that the film would be made because it took a long time to get this made. About yeah. 10 years. So, Wow. Yeah. Um, let's see. So Mila Kunis practiced uh, for three months, five hours a day, seven days a week. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's insane. Uh, Natalie Portman hit her head and had a concussion, had to get an MRI, and she also dislocated a rib. And the budget was so tight that when she tried to get like a medic to help her out with her rib, they were like, we can't, we can't pay for this. So she said, just get rid of my trailer if we can get the budget to get this medic. And then the next day she didn't have a trailer. Jeez. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was... It was pretty rough. Um, Darren Aronofsky originally hoped for a 28 to 30 million budget, um, but they eventually came to a budget of 13 million. Which, wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty small for a movie. Uh, this is one of six horror films to be nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture, which is... It's what? Criminal. Sorry? It's what? One of six. One of six what? Movies, horror movies to get nominated for Best Picture. What are you doing? <laughs> Academy, pick it up. Come on. <laughs> like like with this last year with maybe Hereditary? Suspiria? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Um, and then while the crew was applying blood to the stab wound on Natalie Portman, she commented that uh, made her uncomfortable with the placement because it looked like, like a period because it was just kind of like in the area. And Aronofsky said that it's supposed to uh, symbolize Nina becoming a woman. And so because of that, Portman decided that Nina does not die at the end of the movie and she sees it more as having to kill the little girl in order to mature into a woman. That's fair. Hmm. And um let's see. In the the dancing club scene, let's see. Um most of the people surrounding Nina are visions of herself, Lily um, Toma or other aspects of Swan Lake. Boom! Told you. <laughs> but it's just moving so fast you can't see. So that is trivia corner. She's bowing, but you can't see it. Please throw flowers on stage. Bravo! That's some good trivia. Thank you. That's great trivia. There's a lot of good trivia for this movie. Thank you. I did it all myself. That's not true. You just read IMDb. I read it all myself. <laughs> there were a lot. <laughs> Uh, I imagine so. If there was that much good stuff, I can't imagine the crap. There wasn't really crap, but it was just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess so. What's the, uh, actually the best trivia for this movie? 
is that this is the second time that Natalie Portman has portrayed a dancer. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) The first one being a stripper and closer. Yeah. I know we already said that on the podcast, but it's just such good trivia. (laughs) What are you going to do? Becca, hit us with your final thoughts and rating out of 10. Okay. Jeez, just crack your knuckles into the microphone. Sorry. Heavens. Just getting ready. Crack my toes and every other joint so I can dance in front of you. One more pull. (laughs) Ooh. Ah. Thanks. Gross. Okay. Final thoughts. Wait. One more thing before we jump into this that I really appreciated. Um, And again, I think helps as far as the disorienting aspects is how much of the movie includes just kind of normal crap. I think... And again, it's a it's an absolutely gorgeous shot um, when we see the late the instructor in the black leotard from behind, and she's doing the wavy, and you see her back oh. muscles and all of that. But there's in that scene, there's no music; it's just her instructing Natalie Portman, and it just it's so natural and real. And same thing that scene with the doctor. Like I get that it's supposed to symbolize that she's beating the crap out of her body for this, but again, there's no music, and it's just so real and natural. And I think that those breaks of more natural and obviously real moments help a lot as far as selling the more disturbing hallucinations sorry i wanted to say that before you jumped in i will not cut you off this time your final rating out of 10 and final thoughts all right that was a good thought though i didn't think about that but i like that um i i I like this movie i think i really like it <laughs> and I, I really didn't the first time I watched it. And it was just because of, I think the key word, words in this podcast that have been said is disorienting and manipulative. Manipulative. <laughs> Good job. If I can speak. <laughs> um, but I think it's really incredible. I think Natalie Portman's performance is amazing. I mean, just a repeat of every single thing that we've said already. I will give this movie a 9 out of 10. (laughs) Just a straight 9. 9.09. 9.09? No. Just round it up to 9.1. 9.0. Okay. Just, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I loved this. I didn't think I was going to like it this much. Um... You know, I remember it coming out and everything, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, lesbians, that looks horrible. Um, But I'm glad I watched it, not specifically that scene. I think that Um, you uh, actually, I think you did watch this movie on Clear Play. No. And you hit it on Clear Play. You just hit play on this movie, and then it's over. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was just like. Oh, she's just some arms. (laughs) (laughs) You just see glimpses of just arms making wave movement. And then that's it. So, yeah, first time around, I really didn't like it. I thought it was very abstract. Um, But now actually catching the story and the plot, I can say I really liked it. Um, But, yeah, like everything we said, everything works together so well. The acting, the... I mean, we didn't talk about too much, but the music and the cinematography and the editing. One thing we didn't talk about too much is the sound design. I think it's incredible. Mm, thank you for mentioning that because I forgot to, and I was yeah. thinking about that while we were watching Mostly, it. Mostly, I mean, you know, like whenever the spots come up and you like kind of hear, hear the ruffling sound. feathers. Yeah. yeah. And then like in the in the last few scenes when she's dancing and the feathers start coming out and just like flapping it. 
Oh, it sounds what so an, good. Oh man. And just like even just like the smaller scenes when you can just like hear her breathing while she's and you can hear like her her feet on the floor. Oh my gosh. I love this movie. I'm going to give this a uh, 9.6. Wowzers. Yeah. All right, folks, here we go. It's time. You might want to sit down again. Uh, really, the only thing we haven't talked about in this movie is the ending. And I do want to touch on that before as part of my final thoughts. Because I think that the ending five minutes or so is just absolutely spectacular. Um, when she sprouts those wings and is dancing, uh, the camera work there is just absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, the framing of everything... Um, and then I love that this movie, I don't even know who I want to say had the balls to, but decided to just end. There's so many movies where it gets to a, a point similar to this one where she gives her big ending line where she's like, I felt it perfect. And then she looks up at the lights and the movie just fades to white and then you have your credits like what just such a spectacular ending and it might even i don't know i might even say that it is gutsy because so many movies have a moment like that where it can just it can just end and be kind of a statement but they keep going for some reason they don't want to disappoint the audience exactly they don't want to leave something not wrapped up or whatever but in this movie the ambiguity is half the appeal right um, I don't, I don't know if there's anything about this movie I don't like. I don't know if there's anything that I think of as a weakness. Um, I may still want to see it another time in the near future just to double check. But I think tentatively I'm going to give this a 10. Wow. I think that, uh, compositionally and from a filmmaking standpoint it's totally flawless the editing is spectacular the cinematography is spectacular acting directing the score again we didn't touch on the score and that's a shame because the score in this is so good um so yeah i think i think it's 10 wow i love the message that it has i love again i love movies that mess with your perception of what's real and what's not that's one of my favorite things that a movie can possibly do. And this does that really well. I, I could talk about it forever, but why? Uh, I think it's a 10. So we got a 9, cool. 9.6, and a 10. What's that round us to? 9.6, I would say. Okay. I don't know. I'm Maybe 9.7. It ties with Dancer in the Dark. Wow. type 9.6 it's on the list all right folks um finally we'll move on to other topics um what do we mostly i think it's just what we've been watching right yes um i still haven't seen cold war because it's gosh darn impossible yeah. to see Ugh. i'm so annoyed um i saw free solo which is did you yes is that out of theaters yet no i went and saw it in a theater but it was good. It Curse was, you. It was very good. Um, yeah, it was terrifying and scary, and I really liked it. I really want to see it. Yeah. It's the only one of the documentaries nominated this year that I've seen. I may try and watch uh, Mining the Gap. 
today or tomorrow. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear a lot of good things about it. Um, and then I watched Apocalypse Now. Dude, I almost watched that last night. Oh my gosh. It was so good. It was like one of the ones where it's hyped up so much and it's talked about so much. it actually lives up to it? Yes. I was scared that it wasn't going to, but it was so good. Maybe next time that Becca's gone for a night, I'll watch that. Okay. I don't know if you'd like it. It's it's pretty slow. My sister started watching it and I don't think she finished it. Did you watch the theatrical cut or uh, Redux? Redo? I don't know how you say that. I think it was theatrical. Okay. It was whatever's on Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix? Yeah. That makes it easy. Yeah. If I don't have to pay for it, then we're in a good spot. Yeah. It was fantastic. Oh my gosh. What else did I watch? I've been watching also the short documentaries that have been nominated. How are you watching them? Uh, I found uh, there's like a Twitter thread that some guy linked a whole bunch of them. Oh, great. You should send that to me. Okay, I will. Uh, I cried. I've only watched three and I cried in all of them. That's nice. So, yeah, that's pretty much mostly what I've been watching. Righto. Um, we watched Train Spotting last night or two nights ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had seen it before. Becca had not. She didn't like it. I didn't. <laughs> I like it quite a bit. Danny Boyle's <laughs> Danny Boyle's Breakout. Danny Boyle, of course, um, my favorite director. Don't give me that look. No, I, I just like kind of stabbed my finger. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> this gave me a dirty look for saying that Danny Boyle was my favorite character, my favorite director. How dare you? <laughs> uh, we watched John Wick finally, which That's, was oh yeah incredible. That was really good. <laughs> I just watched the second one a few weeks ago. Yeah, we got to watch it. Oh, they're awesome. And we watched The Departed. Yeah. Which is, I mean, great. It's so good. (laughs) I was left so conflicted, but that's another one that a best picture winner that absolutely deserved it. What a great movie. (laughs) I don't know what else to say about it without just getting into it. Yeah, that one's good. That's a great one. Um, Anything else? Well, I do want to mention because I don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast yet Boyhood. Oh, have we not talked about it on the podcast? I don't think so. We watched that a couple weeks ago and man, holy cow. <laughs> what an incredible movie. Oh, it's so good. Like that movie just blew me away. I could sit and watch it forever. I wish it didn't end. I feel the same way. And like I, I would watch it again any time. Like you could suggest that movie at any time and I would probably say yes. And it's three hours long. I know. And it's amazing. It's so good. Like it might be one of my favorite movies it's on again i need to watch it again but it's also on the list for potential tens i think i could just say it's a 10 i mean i should watch it again before deciding but it's before, amazing before the haters out there um start accusing me of just being like well everything's a 10 there's a lot of movies out there all right folks <laughs> i literally have seven <laughs> now eight no no this is i just put the seventh on there because the first, oh, the first I column. see that. Got it. Um, oh, is it not on the... I forgot to put it on there. Um, the perfect films, in my opinion, perfect tens, are as follows. Uh, Tree of Life, Blade Runner 2049, There Will Be Blood, Atonement, Inglorious Bastards, Gladiator, and Black Swan are my tens. My potential tens are um, Arrival, Enemy, Dancer in the Dark, Stalker, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Amadeus, The Prestige, Contact, 
Pan's Labyrinth, Roma, and Boyhood. Those are my potential tens that I need to go back and watch again. I should keep a list like that. Contact, I'm like 99% sure is a 10. I've seen it like three that or four times. That is a times, great movie. And it's, it's mind-blowing. Never seen it. Uh, Jodie Foster, Matthew McConaughey. A ridiculous movie. Absolutely freaking amazing. I'm Like I said, I'm like 99% sure it's a 10. Um, I just haven't seen it in like six months. So... <laughs> Um, so this just reminded me of your possible tens. Uh-huh. I was watching Atomic Blonde last week, the one where like Charlize yeah. Theron is a spy or whatever. Yeah. And there's one scene where she goes to a movie theater, and it's like all these people watching Stalker in a movie theater. And all I could think about for the rest of the movie was, could you imagine watching Stalker first release in a movie theater? The sixties. <laughs> That'd be incredible. <laughs> it's so good. Alright, I guess I'll just watch it on my computer. Have you seen it? Oh. Do you have a Blu-ray player? I have a 4K of my parents. I should just let you borrow my copy. Because it's like a... It's a restoration. So it'll look better than anything you can find online. Okay. Okay. Or we could just watch it together. Yeah, or we could. I guess you guys want to sit down to watch a two and a half hour Russian movie. Sure. I've done it once before well, I, I still we still need to watch solaris and i need to find a time to get you to watch andre Rublev. one of these days and then we'll have seen all the foreign films on the shelf and then i can buy some more uh, <laughs> all right folks do we have anything else to talk about uh i watched amelie yesterday oh how was that i actually really liked it i that was another one i was kind of wary going into because just everyone my interest it. like hardcore waned in that i won't lie to you for some reason, I just don't really care to see it anymore. Yeah, I, like, halfway through, I was just kind of like, yeah, this is cute. But then just, like, kind of towards the end, I, it solidified a little bit more for me. Okay. I really liked it. Because it's one that used to get talked about a lot, I feel like. Yeah, I, now, I don't think it, like... The music's really good. Yeah, but just, like, it gets a lot of hype with, like, all these, like, indie, like, film majors, you know? like It's like the people who, like, Garden State. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like kind of wanted those movies so i don't think it's quite as good as a lot of people say but i really liked it but that's pretty much the most noteworthy thing i've been watching right on i think the only person in the world well not in the world there's some crazy people out there the only person i know who watches more movies than i do is sid <laughs> that's me yeah that's it's true. just because i had a, i i got out of bed four times today because i had a really bad headache and i just watched everything wow yeah and also, I I don't have a life, guys. So this is it. Just watching movies. Yep. <laughs> all right, folks. Anything it. else? I think that's all we've watched. We're watching the Oscars tomorrow. We'll depending on how things go, we might have a little mini sode for you, a little twenty minutes or something. Just about uh, our reactions yeah. to the winners. And I'm scared and I'm excited. Yeah, I decided that I am gonna watch it. Oh yeah. I'm not gonna boycott. There was no question. For well, me. they because they they're gonna air the categories now, so I have no reason to boycott anymore. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, that's it. If you want to get in contact with us, uh, Facebook.com/slash We Watch Movies and then talk about them, or more easily, Instagram at Movies We Watch. Uh, you can slide into the DMs, give us a suggestion for a movie that you would like to hear us talk about. We'd be happy to do it. Um, that's basically it, right? Make it a good yeah. movie. Yeah, don't don't go in there. And be, hey, you guys should watch Little Rascals because we'll watch it. But then we'll be <laughs> like a four minute long podcast. Yeah. We'll be like, yeah, it's pretty funny. Oh <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that part was funny. All right. 
Uh, actually, Little Rascals is a pretty hardcore misogynist. Oh, yeah. Misogynistic. The Little Rascals as a movie is not a misogynist. It is a <laughs> misogynistic movie. But the Little Rascals movie. themselves are misogynists. Well, they're children. They don't get the blame. It's yeah, the, 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 the all the adults that made that movie. That's true. But they project their misogyny also, onto them. Also, it's essentially just like a children's beauty pageant. It's just like that little girl is way overly sexualized in that movie. And she's like five. It's true. Shame on you, Little Rascals. It's still a funny <laughs> movie. Oh, yeah. Doesn't condone it. Maybe it though. didn't age well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll say that. <laughs> All right. So uh, just to recap on this podcast, we've officially talked about uh, Black Swan, Suspiria, Boyhood, and The Little Rascals. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure a lot more movies. Don't forget Haunting of Hill House. Haunting oh, of Hill yeah. House. All right, folks. We love you. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We truly do. Um, again, slide into the DMs. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. And if you don't have anything in particular, then we're just going to keep picking movies that we feel like watching. Which is probably more pull fun for us. Pull the shelf. Yeah, we're just going to pull the shelf. Uh, that's it. I'm Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. And we love you. Good night. See ya. Bye.